guys. Uh, Tip It Out podcast back. Another episode here talking competitive golf. We're balls deep in the competitive golf season uh, in right. Ohio and Michigan. Right now, we wanted to spend a little time talking about competitive golf as a whole, as well as our how our summer tournaments and am careers are going thus far. Um, I got Mac Belovich up here in the studio. What's up, Mac? How we doing? I'm I'm good. I'm, uh, getting ready for my my big summer tournament push coming up next week. Hell yeah! Let's go. What's what's next week again? We got mid am, and then right after that, we got the club championship. So mm. oh, he's winning that club championship for sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yo. I've made it known here. I'm I'm coming. I'm coming for that champion who beat me last year. <laughs> oh yeah, and we got Ben Fultz. What's up, Fultzy? Howdy, everybody. Glad to be back. I missed last week because I don't know how to play on my weekend. So apologize to everybody. Missed out on my lovely additions to the podcast, but uh, hopefully that was probably our, our, mo- our best seller last week. <laughs> we were like, oh, fuck. Fultzy's not there. Let's go. This is going to be an entertaining <laughs> podcast for the first time. Oh, yeah. Decided to get some insights now. <laughs> no, uh, I'm ready to talk about competitive golf. This is going to be fun. We're going to, we're going to cover some, some important stuff for, for those who, uh, who are new to the new to the, the competitive field, so I think that'll be some great info for all of you. So, for sure. Well, before we dive in, we usually do birdies and bogeys, but I think one big bogey that we wanted to discuss this episode to, to get us started is is Justin Thomas because uh, our boy, my man is my man is lost in the wilderness. He's currently right. playing at like a two handicap. Yeah. He's pulling. I, think him. I might be a better golfer than Justin Thomas at this very <laughs> point in time, but I could be wrong. Um, but, uh, clean yeah. off of the the Portage County M championship. <laughs> Fresh off the Portage County M championship, I'm I'm thinking I could take him right now. He's, he's if, kind ever, of... if there's ever a time in the, if there's ever been a time in my life that I could take <laughs> Thomas right now. He's he's kind of following a little Ricky Fowler arc there, where he came onto the scene real hot, kind of cooled off, and then really really cooled off, dropped, and he's it seems like he's right at the beginning of kind of Ricky's little little plummet phase there. But uh, we can we can dive yeah. more into it. Yeah, let me and, let me let me kind of or oh, go ahead, Mac. I'll, I'll I have this. his so I have his I have his event schedule pulled up, and I can run through quickly from. Let's go from the Masters. Yeah. Um, he got cut, missed the cut. RBC Heritage T twenty five, Wells Fargo T fourteen, PGA T sixty five. Cut from the Memorial. Cut from the U.S. Open. T nine at the Travelers. Cut at Rocket Mortgage. T sixty at the Scottish Open. Cut from the Open Championship and now cut from the 3M Open this past week, which is, and if you look back, cut from the Rocket Mortgage, cut from the 3M, and I mean, a T60, like, a, and cut from the Memorial. Like, it's just been awful. It's been a horrible season. For him. And, and let me, let me set the stage here real quick. So you just listed off all of his starts this year from the Masters. Did he play anything before the Masters? Because he's played in 11 events. That's it this year. Did he play in the tournament? Yeah, so, so this year, we can go back to the Tournament of Champions, T25. Yeah. T25 at the Farmers. That's 13. Fourth events. place at the Waste Management, which is pretty good. 14 events. From there is when it really goes downhill. T20 at Genesis, T21 at Arnold Palmer, T60 at the Players, a T10 at Valspar, and then we get to the Masters. So, I mean. Like, I guess, I, I don't know the the length of a, how many, like, weeks of standard tour players should play, but the dude played in 18 events in 
the PGA Tour season. So I'm relatively sure that's on the very low end of the spectrum. He always is like weird where he doesn't play a lot of a lot of the rocket mortgage events, like the lower field events, like the 3Ms. He's not historically doesn't play in those because he usually plays well enough that he still has a chance to win the FedEx Cup mm-hmm. having not playing in those. But um, he finds himself in a position. I think he's like 80th in the FedEx Cup points, top 70, make it into the first playoff. of the, the playoff event that's coming up. And so he has to finish T18th or better at the Wyndham uh, coming up this week to – no, it's not T18th. He has to finish solo 18th or better to make it to the FedEx Cup. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Which, I, I just, which, by the way, would be – it's like li- Playing limited field – like playing – not playing a full schedule, playing like a kind of a half-assed schedule where he takes a bunch of weeks off. Maybe maybe isn't the recipe you need when you're when you're going through this 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 slump that he's going through. I don't know. And it sounds like I might be wrong here by one or two, but it sounds like that T eighteen, that solo that solo eighteen finish would be one of three top twenties that he's had this whole season. Yeah. Um yeah, so he's had three top tens since January. Mm-hmm. Um and one, two or four top 15s okay so, so yeah it would be it would be his fifth of the entire year which is not yeah yeah you can tell it's, it's not looking good yeah mm-hmm. what i will say is i watched him a little bit play in the first two days at the 3m 3m uh, championship here and you could tell that like he was, he'll be standing over a birdie putt and he just looks off he just looks so it looks like there's a lot of pressure on him um maybe he's adding that himself you know he's in his head and he's i think yeah it. But I think coming down the stretch, playing all these tournaments, just trying to get into the FedEx Cup playoff is adding to that too. Like yeah, he's yeah. having to play, like, like you mentioned, he's having to play these lower field events like Rocket Mortgage and 3M because he's like, I got to get into the FedEx Cup and it's all this pressure. Yeah. And mixed with not being able to read a green to save his life right now, which happens to the best of them. You like yep. look at Scotty Shuffler. Um, he just yep. has absurd ball striking, but it's just like it's it's a dire situation can't get in a run i mean he's been even par for like his last five rounds so it's like he's just, he's just not making the normal birdies that he makes he's not taking advantage of those short 10 foot putts for birdie uh, and i think that's really getting in his head because those compound you know that's that's the big problem is you miss one of those and then you go okay well that's okay i got i got more you know and then you miss the next one you go that's fine too i got more and then 15 20 of those down the line you go wow i haven't i've made two of these <laughs> you know and i normally make i'm normally you know 95 percent from inside 10 feet or whatever right or you know some crazy percentage that's super high uh, but you know i think that that you know that effect of of you know that snowball effect has been really getting to him a little bit he looks very shaky over top of those putts i mean I'll defend him. Like every top golfer has gone through slumps like this. Like, I mean, it's golf. We, every person has gone through a, a slump like this where they just, you just can't seem to find it. Um, we've all been there. So like, you know, it's just, it's just part of golf, but uh, it's tough to see one of the best players, uh, you know, one of the better like players of our generation kind of struggle like this. And then on top of that is we all know how dominant he is in team events, like Ryder Cup, President's Cup. He's like he's got like a sixteen five and three like record in in team events. Like he's a stud uh, match play player um, at the Ryder Cup and stuff. So like, see one of your hopefully aces in the Ryder Cup 
like pretty much be a like he shouldn't be picked as of right now in my opinion uh that's tough what, what do you guys think does, does jt deserve a, a captain's pick just based off his record with with all of his play this year that's a tough question i mean the at that point though if you're the you know you're the guy making the pick you got to sit there and you go well what's his past performance look like right he's got this year which looks like shit, but then every year before this has been great right so I think me personally, I think he deserves a spot 100%. Um, but I don't think that it would be a good pick on the side of of USA. Um, you know, I think it would be it would be a shaky pick, but it would be it would be a little bit of a gift for him, and it might get him the confidence that he needs in order to in order to kind of boost forward. You know, um, I think he can play fine right now in a match play type thing. I think he's really struggling with the stroke play events, but you know, there's no way to know. There's really no way to know without playing in it, right? So he's teetering the line between this is going to be a horrible pick, or you know this is what this is the confidence and the belief that he needs, right? Right on that line. So I I have two thoughts on this. My first thought is from like the greater population of like what's uh, Davis Love, right? Is the captain? Oh, uh, Zach Johnson. Zach Johnson. Zach Johnson. Yeah. So Zach, so Zach say Zach picks him. He's on the team. He plays well. They're going to go, way to go. You trusted your horse. You trusted your dog. Yeah. Um, kept his killer instinct. Or he plays bad and everybody goes, why did you pick him? That's just such a stupid pick. He wasn't playing well. You should have known, right? Yeah. For me personally, I I think he shouldn't be picked. I think the way – and partly this is because, like, I think if it was a, a U.S. Ryder Cup on the state side, yeah, you could probably pick him. I think it would be different. But going over to Europe, going over to Marco Simone, and they're gonna set up set up the course tight, short, like it's gonna be a ball striker's paradise. Um, yep. and the US dominates on length. So I I think it's gonna be tough because his approach stats haven't been all that phenomenal. When he does hit when he does hit the irons well, he 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 gets up there, he at least T twenties, T twenty fives. Um <clears throat> but also with the putting, like you mentioned, uh Ben, like it's you know that's kind of something you want in a match play or Ryder Cup situation. So yeah. I'm gonna have to go with no. I, I think the what would convince me to pick JT is if he goes out there and finishes in the top 18 this week and he makes the FedEx Cup, um, like shows shows some grit under pressure, like plays well when he has to, uh, goes out there and makes the FedEx Cup, and then I don't even need to, need him to. I think if he does that, that that gives me enough confidence in him that he's like working hard enough and wants it enough and is able to like perform under pressure well enough to like deserve a captain's pick. If he goes out there and misses the cut this week or doesn't, you know, finishes outside the top 20, I, I, I think we got so many other good players on the U S side that are playing much better than him. That, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Cause then, it, that, cause then it, I mean, that just boils down to right? you go. Okay. Right. Like, like I said, he's teetering that line. Right. So if you give him the pick, you, you're always going to think, okay, is there somebody better that we could have picked? You know, is there some other direction that we could have taken it? And, I mean, I feel like, you know, Zach Johnson's just going to want to win. <laughs> He's not going to care too much about – Yeah, it'd be like a little bit of a make-a-wish pick. You know, and be like, well, he, he deserves it because of his past performance. But, you know, like you said, there's better players. People are playing better. Uh, like, caveat to this is, like, Zach Johnson and JT are boys – and like I'm pretty sure they room together at the open. Like they live, they 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 live in the, they had this rented the same house together for the open uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. So 
I, probably, I don't know. Maybe there's a, a little friendship pick that could go on here, but I think the best players play the best when they need to. And, you know, he needs to play well this week. And if he plays and if he, if he gets the job done with all the pressure and how much he wants to be on the team and kind of, I think he could, this week's really, this is it. Like this is, his, this is his opportunity to yeah. give himself a chance or not. So that's, I agree. I agree. And so then that means that whoever finishes top six, right. After this tournament, that's the, you know, that's the end of the points, right? That's, I think that's the end of the point. I don't know if FedEx cup, maybe the FedEx cup playoffs. I don't know. That's a great question. I, don't, I can't remember. if FedEx I, it's, I, I, I know it's before the tour championship. I can't remember if it's after like the playoffs or, mm-hmm. or after this tournament before playoffs, yeah. but I mean, as it stands, you know, Scotty Scheffler's auto qualified. He's he's made it. I think um, Wyndham Clark's already qualified. Wyndham Clark's two. Wyndham Clark's two. Brian Harmon's three. Brooks is three or uh, four. Xander's five. Cantley's six. So I mean, it's it's a weird, it's a weird ranking. To, mm-hmm. to be completely honest, it's just like you know, it's it's a you know, Wyndham and Brian, um, just kind of snuck up there, and you know, no hate to them, but I, I mean, I'd love to see him play, but you know. There's some killers down the list, yeah, sure so sure. it'll be it'll be interesting how Zach take you know, which route Zach takes, mm-hmm. especially with JT. I think you you have a good point though. For I think this week is is like the, um, you know, kind of the the the, the thing that's going to determine if he if he makes it or not, right? Like it's going to be the 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 main factor. Um, if he I think, gets it done this week, I think yeah. I, mean, I think he's got the grit. So I mean, you can tell that this has been pissing him off for a while. So. I mean, it would piss anybody off, right? I'm I'm debating about throwing some money on a top 15 finish or a top 20 finish uh, this week on JT. It's, it's what like plus 170 or something like that. I don't know. Not a bad bet. So we'll see. Well, we'll see what happens. More to come with the Ryder Cup. Maybe we'll do a couple more uh, episodes talking about the Ryder Cup because that is by far and away one of my, maybe even my favorite. It's, it's like, the greatest. It's, I would so, say it's one of the greatest. Talking about that. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we dive into competitive golf? Yeah, let's get into the meat and potatoes. I was about to say that, dude. You beat me too. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say the meat and potatoes. Right, you want to kick us off here, Matt? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick us off. So I think one ca- caveat, not even a caveat, of this this uh, episode is kind of what is the importance of competitive golf and, you know, why just going out and playing with your friends is great, but it's not going to you know necessarily make you a better golfer. And I think the big thing is that the competitive golf gives you that edge and gives you that benchmark of where your game is and, you know, maybe where you want it to be or where it should be. And something, you know, stuff like that of just putting, giving you an idea of, you know, putting yourself under pressure. Where do you stand in terms of your handicap or your skill level or um, where you want to be? You could yeah. be a single digit handicap when you're going out and playing with the boys, but there's a whole, it's a whole nother game. If you're a single digit handicap, when you got to make every putt and you put some pressure on your game, I think mm-hmm. um, until you experience that as a, as a golfer, then like, I, I don't actually, I don't know if you can get, you can truly get better until you experience that. Like what it feels like to be under pressure, everything counts, every stroke counts. Um, getting under like that tournament fire, like that's truly the way to test your game and, and, and figure out how good you are. And if you have any, you know, hope and wish to become a, a good golfer, like that's, that's 
so necessary to, to put your put your game under the under the stress and under the gun. Um, I liked I liked your point there, Farrar. You got to finish every putt, right? That's the whole point of these tournament golf. And I think what's interesting is if you go out there and play with the boys, you might take certain civil civil liberties, right? That you you might not even realize you're really doing, but they 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 add up throughout the course of a round. And you go, well, you know, I shot a 75. Awesome. You know, but did you really shoot a seven? Yeah, it's like you fluffed you fluffed one or two in the rough that were right. had, a, had a bad lie and a hard pan, and you're like, ah, when I hit that, I'm fucking yeah. around. I've just paid sixty bucks to play this course. I want to, you know, right. four footers. I have a two and a half footer for par, and my buddy's like, that's good. But yeah, you know, maybe so, I mean, a little bit. It's a, you got to play it outside the hole, and in a tournament, that's not an easy putt. So yeah, and I mean, I think the the, the beauty of playing tournament golf, I, I, me personally, I think the the true importance is that pressure, right? Because um, if you can make a, a ten footer, you know, a, you know, left to right breaking ten footer under pressure in a tournament where you realize that if that goes skirting by five feet, you got another tough putt coming back. I think once you once you get to the point where you can make those confidently and stand over that, knowing where that putt's going to go, you're going to not only add confidence to your game, but you're also going to know where your game's at, and you're going to be able to you know end the day saying, okay, I actually shot this 78 like this was uh or this 75 or this 76 right like i actually shot this round of golf and i i can attribute that to you know how i play it and all the work that i've been doing and all this it's a it's a true testament to you know some of the work that you might be doing um and going out with the boys is is fun and very important as well but that tournament golf you're really trying to get better i think very very important to to get out there and feel a little bit of pressure you know log every shot really log every shot you know yeah and i think in like and that pressure too it it translates not just to those four footers but also just the swing in general like when you're playing with your buddies you know you're free flowing you're just swinging the club it's you know there's no kind of there's not a huge consequence of what you know where the where where your shot exactly yeah especially like you know like my sometimes my shot shape completely changes in a competitive round of golf and, you know, it also like adding to that, like, you know, how do you, you know, if something's happening, what's going wrong, like, how do you adapt and how do you overcome that when you don't get a, you don't get to drop an extra ball in the fairway or hit a second tee shot? Yeah. yeah the other thing you got to feel too, is when you're out there playing a tournament golf, that was a good point you made there, Mac. Like you can't drop another ball, right? You miss that putt. There's no going back and being like, oh, let me just, you know, try it again. Right. Or just, or even if you're not logging it, you can't, you still can't drop the, drop another ball and just practice it for fun, you know? So it's, it's, in my opinion, it's a more true form of golf. It's how golf is supposed to be played. Um, you know, logging every shot and really, really keeping track of, you know, what you were doing, but you know, there's so much, there's so much importance, you know, importance in, in competitive golf. It's just huge. And it's also really fun, right? You got the chance of winning something, right? Go out yeah. there, play well, have fun, meet some new people, you know, and, and log some, log some great rounds. Nothing beats the adrenaline on the first tee, and you just pipe one right down the middle, and you're just like, "All right, let's get let's get to work." Right, let's do it. Yeah, that for those first tee jitters are real in the first couple competitive golf rounds, but then you start to learn to love that feeling. Um, yeah, uh, for sure. And yeah, so I, I've, oh, sorry, Mac. I was going to throw on really quick. one of the, one thing that I think is really funny, and I think that all golfers have this in common, is we're not afraid of those kind of like those pressure situations, right? Feeling those nerves. Um, and I think we're all, we're attracted to it. It's a, it's a little bit of an adrenaline junkie type situation. Right. Um, but I realize that it, it kind of translates over to the rest of life too. You know, if you have like a, 
panel you got to talk on or something like that. You now, weirdly enough, at least for me in my experience, I'm better at those, you know, kind of more like nerve wracking daily life type situations um, just because of, of, you know, the pressure that I felt on the golf course too. So there's, there's other importance too. It stretches beyond just the course. Um, you know, like if you're a very introverted, you to manage the nerves, right. If you're a very introverted person and, you know, social interaction makes you nervous or something like that, go out and play some competitive golf. It'll really help you out. I mean, you'll, you'll get a good understanding of, you know, where your nerves are at, what you're feeling, you know, and then yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll realize that you're better at handling it, you know? So, yeah. and it's like, you know, I was thinking about it, you know, every, every kid in the driveway going three, two, one and throwing up a shot. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's kind of like that, but in golf, you know, in basketball, there's one guy at the end of the, at the end of the game who might have that shot a couple of games, you know, right. like it doesn't happen often. And it's one person in golf. It happens basically every round and you're the only guy that can get it done. So it, it gives you. you that opportunity to be like, I'm the guy I'm going to get it done. And that's, mm-hmm. and yep. that's a feeling we all chase. Um, at least I like to think so, sure. but yeah. you know, totally. so we've, talked, we've talked about the importance of it. How do we, you know, what, what are the types of competitive golf that we can do? Um, how do we get the competitive juices flowing, get the adrenaline pumping? Um, you guys got any ideas? Yeah, so I'll throw in here. Um, you know, I know we've talked about this before in the past, uh, but I'll reiterate it here. You know, local local clubs and, and golf courses actually have a, a very high incentive to run local tournaments. Um, and not only brings a lot of notoriety to their golf course, but a lot of people travel from distance to go to the golf course as well. So, you know, keep in mind that your local course, whether it's a little, little public muni or even a country club, they'll have tournaments that you can play in. And more often than not, they're going to be during times when you probably want to go out and play with your boys. <laughs> they're going to be playing in the tournament. So um, keep in mind that there's a lot of local tournaments that you can play in. We'll give you some resources here in a minute for that as well. Um, but that that's that's probably the easiest way to get to just get your foot wet, right? Uh, a little bit of friendly competition. Everybody, I mean, my experience this year for amateur golf tournaments has been amazing. Um, we have something called the, the the Northern Ohio Golf Association, so NOGA, um, which runs a lot of tournaments around the Northern Ohio area. But you know, every state has their own um, little associations, and maybe even multiple per state, uh, depending on where you're at. So. Um, look for, look, definitely look for that. You know, there's, there's going to be a golf association type, um, organization and they'll, they'll definitely run a lot of local tournaments, which you can join. So I would say for, you know, kind of beginner level, easiest way to get into competitive golf, look for those types of tournaments. Um, cause they're going to be everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. courses are going to post, like if they're ho- like, if your local course is hosting a tournament, they're going to, you're going to know about it. But if you play there a decent amount, like they're going to post that stuff. That's going to be around the clubhouse. It's going to be in the, in the pro shop somewhere about where, you know, what, what events are coming up. So, you know, feel free to just ask around the local courses that you like to play at, you know, what kind of tournaments do they have this summer? Where can I find those? Mm-hmm. I would say like for people that are like, you know, I'm not ready for a 36 hole, you know, two day amateur event yet. There are plenty of other options. There's, at least in in northern Ohio, there's uh, like two man best ball events where you're playing with a partner, playing best ball, uh, like eighteen hole best ball events. There's uh, uh, an event that Ben and I played in called like a jumble, where you play. It's a three man jumble where you play play from the best drive. So everyone hits their drive and you pick the best drive and then play your own ball from there. That was super fun. And then even scrambles like. There's uh there's different scramble events whether 
not necessarily all like charity related. There's also sometimes scramble events that are like, you know, for money um, mm-hmm. uh, that like local tournament associations or courses will put will, will, will host. So, you know, you don't have to go if you're just trying to get your feet wet. You don't have to jump right into like a stroke play individual 36 hole tournament, um, which are probably the most common for amateurs. Like there's there's one day scrambles and best balls and, and a ton of other fun things to do to kind of get your feet wet um, with with like a partner with a group. Um, like a team oriented thing too. Uh, yeah. So, and to that, and oh, to sorry. that, and, and also on top of that, like even, even if you're just trying to get your feet wet, there's also leagues. Like a lot of courses in your area, you'd be surprised. Almost every single one has a weeknight league. They play nine holes, and it's yep. you know you still get that kind of competitive feel, but it's a little bit more laid back. Um, you know, it's just a bunch of guys or or girls or whoever just having fun just out on the course. So. Yeah, they- they usually call those like scratch leagues um, are like the, the ones that aren't like work affiliated. Like a lot of companies will have like a work league or something like that. But if you want to just play in a league with some random people, that's a little bit competitive. They'll call those scratch leagues. Um, just about every course that at least I know of has a scratch league one night a week. Um, that and you- those are also handicapped usually as well too. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's on an even playing field. You don't have to worry about mm-hmm. counting every stroke quote unquote. So. Mm-hmm. The other thing I, I will mention about the leagues too is they're normally during the work the work week, right? So you know Monday to Friday. So um, you know if you're noticing that you're you know you, there's no way for you to get out on the weekend and play in a scramble or a stroke play event, definitely look into the leagues because they're usually built around the work day. Yeah. Um, so they allow you to play some golf, um, usually for very cheap and with you know good competition on a work day. So uh, there's there's literally thousands of options uh, to choose from. So. And even and then even playing in especially leagues, but even just playing in tournaments, you meet a lot of people. You 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 know kind of grow your golf community and meeting all these people. Then you can start playing with them just outside of tournaments and all that. And then that's a great way also to kind of play some competitive golf is just playing with people at your skill level, skill level or even better. And you know even just if you're playing for a beer or you know maybe ten bucks or something, you know playing games just putting pressure on every shot helps mm-hmm. yeah, it's really what we're trying to, what we're trying to do is put pressure on our golf games and see how they perform. Right. That's the goal of competitive golf. So any way you can do that too, it is always, is always good. So a, a good resource here for some local tournaments that, that we found, we were trying to look for things that are more general, right. You know, I mean, most people are probably not from Northern Ohio. So, you know, our Noga, just the links. Right. Any any golf, Northern, Northeast Ohio golf has a bunch of tournaments too, but I said it. Right. But, uh, but a good link that we found here is uh, amateurgolf.com. And that seems to be a nice hub for a lot of, a lot of local tournaments kind of it's, it's, you know, it to screw the whole state by state and it just gives you every single state. So um, depending on where you're at, you could definitely start there and start looking. Um, you know, I mean, that, that would probably be a last resort. Uh, you know, calling your local course would probably be more productive in that time. But um, there's definitely something on that site that that for everybody. So uh, definitely check that out. It's amateurgolf.com. Absolutely. And that's or even use it as a jumping off point, too, of like, hey, here's every amateur tournament in my area, you mm-hmm. know, kind of start weaving through the sites. Maybe some are like, oh, you know, we, you know, we're this like two ball group of guys that goes around and just plays a bunch of different courses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it kind of helps you 
narrow the search at least. It's a large bucket, obviously. Like you well, said. It could be overwhelming, and, but yeah. But also the cool thing about that is too, you know, if you're like trying to get into amateur golf and you have no idea like what the field normally looks like, a lot of these tournaments have been played for years. So you can yeah. always go back to the archives and take a look at the leaderboards and be like, okay, you know, like what were they playing for? What did they win? You know, what's incentive in it for me? You know, what did the, what kind of scores, you know, finished high on the leaderboard? Yep. You know, okay, if I'm, and you've got to get a sense of where you're at in relation to the field, even though they didn't, you haven't like, you know, they, the tournament's coming up, so they haven't played it quite this year, right? Um, so, you know, and you might even be able to find a tournament that's a little bit more tailored towards you, you know, if you're slightly, you know, a higher 70s or, you know, lower 80s or something like that, you can find a tournament where nobody goes 10 under par, you know, or something like that. So definitely use uh, the archives for a lot of these golf tournaments as well um, to kind of get a sense of where, where you're at and where they're at as well. Yeah. Um. All right, so say say whoever you know whoever's listening, they find a golf tournament they've never they've never played in a tournament before. Uh, let's let's start. Let's say we're a week out. You know, we we signed up. We're a week out from the tournament. Kind of, what do you guys? You know, what's your kind of routine leading up to a tournament? Yeah, I will, I'll throw in here really quick a, a funny story about a tournament that I just played in, um, and this is the reason why we're talking about this. Um, I played with a guy at at a at the Big Met in a practice round. I played like the Friday before or Saturday, Sunday tournament. And uh, I was a college golfer. So, you know, we were, we we're all college golfers. We all have some tournament experience. So we kind of know what, what to do. Right. You know, um, but this guy was lighting me up with questions, you know, like what, what time do I get there? Like, how early do I get there? Where do I go when I get there? Right. Like, um, you know, are we riding a cart? So we walking, you know, he had a million different questions for me. So we, we, started to realize that those were questions that we didn't really ask ourselves because we already knew, um, but that could be really, really beneficial for uh, somebody who's just now getting into the tournament tournament wave. So um, yeah, he was lighting me up with a, a million questions, but um, I thought his funniest one was, he was like, what time should I wake up on that day? And I'm like, three 30 in the morning. <laughs> I was like, when's your tea time? <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know. There's no like given time that you got to wake up, but um yeah, I just want to give some context to why we're talking about this. Go ahead, guys. But yeah, you um, to answer some of the questions that the guy asked, you can definitely ride a, in a cart in all of these events. You can definitely walk if you wanted to. Most of them, you can bring a caddy if you really wanted to. You can bring the wife. You can bring the your your buddy. You can bring your dad or something like that. Like all of those are usually fine. Um, you can like my tournament prep the week going into is I'm gonna tr I want to play. A practice round at the course i want to play i want to see the course the week of whether that's if i can only fit nine in i can only fit nine in but it's i feel like it's really important to even if it's a course you, you play all the time it's still important to play a practice round the week of just get a feel of what the conditions are like how the greens are rolling you know different tee shots that you're gonna have to hit what you what you what what kind of clubs you need to be taking off different tees kind of strategize a little bit during the practice round or even um, just see how your game fits the course yeah, kind of like yeah. you know what's going on Remind sure. yourself of what the greens look like. I, I like I like having like a so doing the practice on one of the days. I like a range day and like a little bit of putting practice one day. So just kind of like not necessarily going to a course to play, but going to practice, hit the range, hit the chipping green, hit the putting green, do a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can you could you could also just play a couple times. That's that's also fine. But that's just kind of what I like to do mm -hmm. leading up to it. And then if the, like the day of. Um, 
you want to take some time to plan for like you got you might have to check in some tournaments you have to check in some 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 tournaments you just have to show up on the first tee and they give you your scorecard um so i would you know plan for like 10 minutes of like figuring out if i have to check in if i want to get a cart you know take 10 that's going to take 10 minutes to do all that you might get your scorecard get the rules for the for the tournament um you know if that course has a driving range you know maybe plan for an hour you know like an hour before your tee time 45 minutes before so you can hit a, a little bucket and putt um beforehand that's i think like for me like i want to hit balls before a tournament and i also want to spend like 10 to 15 minutes off like just hitting lag putts and getting the speed of the green so like those are like if i could do nothing else to warm up i want to hit like a couple of like a small bucket of balls and hit some lag putts and like that's like the bare minimum um in my opinion to like get ready day of a tournament so yeah for it's very similar for me like the week the you know the week leading up to a tournament i think the key uh you know it's very if, if you're able to get onto the course and get a practice round in that's awesome like definitely do that because that'll give you so much contextual knowledge that you're going to need in order to play there um, especially if you've never played it before so that's obviously really really important <clears throat> i think then once you start getting closer it's more important to just play just get some swings in. it doesn't matter if you're playing a local course or something similar what i actually do is if you know let's say i'm playing a saturday sunday tournament i'll try to play on friday so i get some recent golf in my system but the key is i won't putt when i play there if i'm not playing at the course that i'm playing at the weekend i won't putt because i don't want to get used to the speed of, of different greens and then get out there on saturday and i have no idea what the greens that i'm supposed to be playing are doing so I'll go out there with the sole purpose of just getting swings in and, and you know, kind of getting lo loose. So I think that's super important that I want to mention there too. And the last thing is uh, everything is the same as, as Ferrara. But one thing that I did tell that, that guy that I was talking to at Big Man is for me personally, I actually like to be fairly on time for my tea time. Right. Um, you know, definitely get there early, right? Like get there 20, 30 minutes early. But for me, if I'm waiting around, I do nothing but think about my round and get anxious and everything. So um, for me personally, I like to get there, you know, and maybe have you know, most of the time that I've been playing in these tournaments, I've had to warm up somewhere else. So like I'll have to hit balls somewhere else um, and it's not at the course. But either way, I give myself a 10 minute buffer before the 10 minutes that you're kind of told to arrive for your tee time. That's my that's my biggest pet peeve is if you're playing in a tournament or even just playing in general. Show up at least five minutes before your tee time. Yeah, Go yeah. to the first first tee five minutes before. They, they say tournament. Most tournaments say you got to yeah. be at the first tee ten minutes before your tee time. Which tee time. So for me personally, I give myself another ten minutes before that, and I go. That's when I kind of want to arrive at the course. Um, hitting putts and doing that kind of stuff is not as important for me. Um, I can usually get a good feel for the speed of the greens just by walking or taking a look at it. That's me personally. But I think my whole point to mention there is. Um, if you've got an hour and a half before your tea time, you tee off at 930 and you get there at, you know, eight. For me, personally, it just doesn't work. I get there. I get really nervous before I play. I think, I, you know, I just it's like um, it's like waiting around before an exam or a test in school. Right. You just you do you do yourself no benefit by just sitting there waiting to tee off. Um, it's kind of nice. It keeps the flow going for me. Right. <clears throat> Especially if I got to hit balls in the morning, um, I kind of arrive. Hit a few putts, get myself figured out, and then tee off. Like I'm not sitting there waiting for an hour and a half to tee off, and then like you know, it's just you're just burning time. Some people like that though; they like having plenty of time, um, you know, in order to tee off. But I, I, I told that to the guy that I was playing at 
playing with that big man. And he did it. He executed it really well both days. He got there a few few minutes before he, you know, the allotted 10 minutes before the tee time. And uh, he, he had some good feedback for me. So me personally, I think that's a, I wanted to throw that in there. That's probably the only way that I deviate from, from Ferrari's plan there, other than, you know, maybe not hitting putts in the practice round. Yeah. And I, I, practice round. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, Actually, I'm on the other end of the spectrum with Ben to an extent. Um, but like like you guys both said, try and play a practice round. And even if the tournament is at like a private course or something that you don't think you can get on, give them a call. They'll probably let you come out and play a practice round. Granted, it may be a little expensive if you can't afford it. You know, no. all shucks, you know, show up and play. But um, I, you know, I, I do like to play a practice round, get my figure out my lines off the tee and kind of maybe even hit a few chips around the greens or something, just kind of see. And then, yeah. and then, so day of, I liked, I like to arrive like an hour and 20 before, maybe closer to an hour, just so I, I don't feel rushed of like checking in. And if I have more time to work with, I'll, you know, I do have to get, you know, because of my injuries, I do have to stretch out for 15, 20 minutes before. So, um, so I do that, but I don't get to the range. I don't start, playing or warming up until an hour before my tee time because it takes me 20 minutes on the range maybe 20 minutes putting and then right to the first tee so 40 minutes to an hour um and and to that point also i'd like us to refer back to episode 10 focus practice of what you know hey you know what does this warm-up look like we've we've talked about it we've discussed it about putting and um and hitting on the range and chipping and all that especially before tournament I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. It's probably probably our best, our opus day. Yeah, um, that's that, that's the that is the episode. If we could link an episode to every single episode we do, it'd be that one. But uh, focused practice. Just be intentional with your warm up, right? Like you're you're you don't want to like if you've played the course a couple of times. Well, then on the range, you should, you know, you know what tee shots are coming. So like, why don't you like use the range time to practice a couple of different tee shots you're gonna have, or like mm. be focused. Don't just go like, I'm just gonna hit, you know, like. 50 drivers and a couple of seven irons and I'm ready to go. You know, like that's not really, you know, have some intention with your warm up. That's that. I think that's the best advice and refer back to our episode 10 podcast mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, so I guess we should actually discuss a little bit of kind of like during the round. Um, I think especially during the round is uh, I would say kind of review the rules a little bit if you're, if you're not sure of them, before kind of just the basic like oh i hit it in a hazard or i hit it ob kind of what those rules are um make sure make sure you listen to the first t um the starter because he'll give you some local rules it may be lift clean in place or something or um you know oh these bunkers on this hole and this hole are ground to repair stuff like that um that's all they're important keep that rule sheet I've played with too many tournaments where kids just threw away the w- rule sheet and then they're going, oh, I don't know what to do here. Um, <laughs> if I could throw a little story in there, it's like, you gotta, you, you gotta use the rules to your advantage sometimes too. Like the rules aren't always there to hurt you. You know, like there, there's a lot of times where, you know, you can use the rules to your advantage. Like I played in the Porch County M this weekend on hole 12 at this tournament. I hit it onto a cart path uh, next to the green and, uh, my nearest point of relief was into a flower bed. So the ruling is you, t- you, you still have to take your nearest point of relief from the cart path. But then I also got relief from the flower bed. And the guy's like, well, you can't drop into a flower bed because then you're just going to have to drop again. I'm like, no, actually, 
you take, you know, it's your nearest point, your, it's your nearest point of relief, regardless of where it is, you take your nearest point of relief and then you take your nearest point of relief from the flower bed. So like he was saying, I have, to, I have to go to the other way. Like I got to go behind this tree to drop because I'm going to be dropping a flower bed. I'm like, no, just by knowing the rules and playing enough of these, I knew that like I, the, the correct way to play it is you take your nearest point of relief into the flower bed. Then you take relief from the flower bed. And I got what ended up being a, a really straightforward chip that I got up and down versus if I didn't know the rules and my playing partners told me the rules, I would have dropped behind a tree, had to punch out sideways and, you know, made bogey or double. So, um, yeah. yeah, a lot, of, a lot of times the rules are, you can use the rules to your advantage. Right. So. Yep. Absolutely. And then, you know, I would also say, you know, it's, it's a lot of players, myself included, when you're just playing for fun or something, you're keeping score, but you're playing for fun is you kind of forget to keep score for a couple holes. Make sure, you know, get a routine of like uh, every two holes or something, but I would suggest make sure you open up your scorecard and write the scores down after, you know, on the tee box of every hole or something. Yeah. Um, I think that's also really important because you don't want to be that guy in the group going, Oh, what you have on the last four holes. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> it's never a good look. And, um, yeah, absolutely. I think on that line though, um, you know, you're, if you're playing your first couple of tournaments, you know, you obviously want to play really well. You're taking it really seriously. You know, don't, don't put it, so much pressure on yourself that it's not enjoyable and you can't like get to know the people you're playing with. Cause mm-hmm. um, in my like amateur tournament experience, like you're meeting guys with the same interests as you who love golf, who love competitive golf and like getting to know them is one of the, one of my favorite parts of like two, you're most of the time you're playing with two random guys you've never met before. And they, by the end of the four hours, you end up being pretty good friends with them just because yeah. of your shared love for golf. So, you know, don't be so obsessed with your, with your game that you can't, you can't like build a relationship with the guys that you're playing and have fun just competing and, and getting to know some other people there. Cause yeah. I've also, you know, hand up guilty. Like I've taken competitive rounds too early and made like made myself seem like a douchebag. Uh, Cause I was so pissed off with how I was playing that I, you know, I was, wasn't enjoyable to play with. So if I've learned anything over the years, it's like, yeah, I want to play well, but you know, it, part of the fun of these things is also getting to know the people you're playing with and, and, just kind of having fun in the competitive atmosphere. Uh, so the other thing that I've noticed too, is that, that actually, uh, that's funny you mentioned that. Cause that was one of the first things that I realized I didn't do when I was, you know, um, when my temper would get a little higher, just, you know, get a little, when I would play my bad rounds, right. I wouldn't take any time to like talk to the people that I was playing with. They're just kind of eat loosen up. Right. Yeah. Um, I think what's really good about that is, in talking to them, you'll kind of forget that you're out there playing golf and it might help you out even more with your round because you'll, you'll kind of calm down. My, my, my parents and I have this saying where it's like, it's always on and it's always off, right? Or it's either on or off. So I kind of, you know, I, I turn it on when I'm on the tee box about to hit my shot. And when I'm walking up to the ball, I turn it off. And then I turn it on when I'm about to hit my shot, I turn it off. So it's kind of a, it helps you flip that back and forth. So you're not just living in your head trying to play this round of golf all in your head. Um, and it kind of gives a, it's a marathon. That nice, yeah. It's, it's a, a that nice balance that you need when you're out there. So definitely utilize the people you're playing with and, and get to know them, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's just out there playing golf. It's still just for fun, right? We're not playing for millions of dollars. Most, most likely. So, um, you know, getting to know the guys you're playing with is probably a connection that you're going to remember for a lot longer than, you know, you're 79 or whatever the fuck. So, um, that I like, I love that advice. That's a, that's a yeah. great point that, yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if I, 
Yeah, let's, let's talk about let's let, let, just real quick. Let's go each. You play uh, Ben. I know you played in a couple of tournaments. Give us a quick update on the on the yeah, sure. this year. How you doing? Sure. So yeah, I've been playing really well. Everybody knows in this podcast that I've I've uh, just gotten some new clubs here, and I we had an awesome podcast talking about diving into the numbers there, which was really really cool. Um, the clubs have been treating me so well. Um, I'm, I'm feeling unbelievably confident. I'm dripping with confidence right now, standing on a tee, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I haven't felt like that in a while, so. I've really been enjoying playing golf here. Um, I played in the Big Met Course Championship, which was a, which was a Cleveland Metro Parks tournament. Um, I already talked about the Zora Memorial Championship that I played in a while ago, so I won't won't talk about that here because it's a little bit redundant. But uh, the, the most recent ones here have been the Big Met Course Championship, which um, was the Greater Cleveland Am qualifier. So the last two that I've played in have been qualifiers for kind of a bigger tournament, which is, you know, everybody in the area that's qualified is able to make it. So... Um, pretty cool that there was a qualifier though. Um, I've never really played in a tournament where you're really trying to shoot a number. It doesn't really matter what your number is as long as it's lower than a certain percentage of the field. I've never played a tournament like that. Yeah. That was a cool way to play golf because it was less about just winning it outright, you know, and more of like, okay, but I still got a chance even if I make, you know, two back-to-back bogeys or something like that. So I, re- I actually really liked that uh, that that part of it, and it you know it, it eases off the stress a little bit, but it you're playing a different round of golf, right? It's truly a marathon at that point because you know you, you're never out, you, you never count yourself out of it. So yeah, played the Big Met Course Championship, played super well. Uh, I was tied for 12th. I had a really good round day one, 72, um, and then just unfortunately kind of let it slip a little bit. Um, I was getting angry out there, right? I wasn't talking to the guys that I was playing with. And, uh, you know, wasn't able to get it off the tee as consistent as I wanted to. So I shot 79, but qualified for the Greater Cleveland Am. I was T12 at that. And then the most recent tournament that I've played in was the uh, the Seneca Course Championship. So basically the same thing, another Cleveland Metro Parks course um, up here in northern Ohio. And uh, that one was – I played really, really well on that. Uh, shot a 73, 76 over the, the course of the two days. Um, I was tied for third in that one. Um, tough and I've got, Tough Kididis, that event. That, the yeah, that was – Seneca is a a very tight course, um, and they really had this looming fear of going in the high fescue underneath the trees, um, which which was like the bane of 90% of that field's existence. (laughs) Um, Because, I mean, the problem, though, is – and the reason why it's so scary is none of it's marked as red stakes. So if you lose your ball in there, it's just as good as an OB, right? Yeah. Just terrible. So – Lost, you go all the way back to the T, and then you have to hit the same shot you just hit OB again. So it was it was a really, 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 really nerve wracking T ball day, um, you know. And the putts, the, the, the greens were not anything crazy, but I'm really, really satisfied with how I played. I kind of ham and egged the danger a little bit, where you know when I would hit a bad shot, it would be in a, like a really good bad spot, if that makes sense. Um, so like I never really hit, the damage. Yeah, you know, it's I never really. Yeah, I never really hit one that was just like wildly like so bad that, you know, it's just like what's the point in even trying to look for it kind of thing. Um, so I think I was really, really happy about that. And really just my my approach to that game has been just on point right now. I'm feeling really good. So those are good. And then I've kind of sprinkled in some some scrambles and a couple work events as well. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to reiterate it again, those scrambles. If you're out there for fun golf, I mean – that is some of the most enjoyable golf I've ever played in my entire life. Sure. It's so fucking fun to go out there with four guys you love playing golf with and just go shoot a number. 
Jeez, um, like nothing beats a Saturday, Sunday scramble round with the boys, you know, and you're just like, and the other thing too is the energy is so high at those scrambles too. They're like everybody around you is like rooting for you too, even though you're, you're going up against them. Like, you make a big pot or hit a great shot. Everyone gets fucking riled up. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. You can't beat it. So um, yeah, I'll definitely advocate for those again, but that's a little summary of my, my tournament experience. How about I hand it off to uh drum roll please uh, for our. Sweet. Only because I want to yeah. hear about his tiger finish this weekend <laughs> yeah uh so i like i didn't play the big met uh with ben the big Met tournament unfortunately my grandfather passed away uh a couple weeks ago during the big Met tournament so i was going to play in that ended up playing in the seneca championship with him uh shot 79 76 made the cut on the number uh for the cleveland m so we're pumped about that barely i made a i missed like a Never <laughs> I missed a foot and a half tap in on like the 16th hole, and I was like, I just fucked myself for sure. I'm gonna miss it, but luckily I made it. Uh, the week after was like my hometown event, uh, the Portage County Am, uh, this past weekend, and I shot 72, 72, and one by 11 strokes. So that was that was awesome. My my grandpa was uh, like big involved in my like golf career and. Uh, helping me get into it and also like love to come to my events loved how much i loved it because he also loved golf so it was cool to win that tournament in the wake of you know uh him passing away recently so it's that the was- only it's the only it's there was only one winner that that day yeah, yeah. there's there's only ever one winner for that tournament <laughs> I, I had a I, I made like a 50 foot par putt in the very first hole of the tournament and i was like okay <laughs> yeah like if that's if that falls in the first hole like there's going to be some, there was great vibes the, the whole weekend. Played really well. So I will throw like, one. It was Go like ahead. Tiger. It was like Tiger at Pebble. He was just, you know, you're just out there playing, playing yeah, yourself. You know, you had to create your own competition. Right. You, you were out there like, wow, I'm, you know, I'm going to choose to just not make any bogeys today. That's my goal. Instead of like being ESPN, in the field, you're like, fuck it, dude. I'm going to make no ESPN, bogeys. ESPN 30 for 30, per- perfection at Portage. <laughs> perfection at the Portage County M. I did. <laughs> Perfect. I so um, as we've said, you know, show up to tea time. I kind of pulled a bend where I went to another course to hit balls. I show up like 20 minutes before my tea time, you know, thinking I'll have 10 minutes to hit a couple putts and then get on the tee. And I get there at my tea time's 10:40. I get there at 10:20. I hit three putts, and at 10:23, they're like, uh, "Evan, you're on the tee." And I'm like, "My tea time isn't for seven more minutes. Like, I've never in a tournament ever teed off." more than like a minute before my tee time. Like this was crazy. Yeah. So like not only did it, was I on the tee, but I was the first to tee off. Like they were like, not only you're on the tee, but it's, it's your turn. Like you have to go right now. So I felt <laughs> like super rushed and I freaking yeah. shit. I heel fucked a, a four iron. It's like a really short part four where I was just gonna like lay up to a wedge. Heel fucked a four iron over the road out of bounds, like first swing. And I, <laughs> I was like, oh my throw God. another one down, make double bogey the next hole. I hit it um, up against a tree, like wedge it out, end up making double again. So I freaking go double, double to start. And uh, I made more doubles that day than I did bogeys. So that's a good thing. Made a bunch of birdies coming in, still shot 72. So uh, it was yeah, cool. that was, yeah, from, he did, he did, just sent us a text, by the way, mid round that he was uh, started double, double, and then he was three under from there on out. So congrats on that, dude. Well, we'll play it, but keep, way to stay in it. I think that's the real, that's the real key. I, I remember I remember vividly uh, Solly growing up saying, 
if I'm going to make a double bogey at all in my round, I'd, I want it to be the first hole because then I know I have the rest yeah. of the round to pick it up and like get it back. And I, I was like, kind of, I, I remember thinking that I'm like, all right, that sucked that I just made double and like just completely threw away whatever lead I had um, going into that round. But like, I would rather do that now than on the 18th hole or the 17th hole. So let's go get it back the rest of the round. So I'm going to make, I'm going to make a call for that one. It was Harold Varner, the third <laughs> said that. Was yeah. that Harold Varner? It was, yeah. He's like, you can make a triple on the first hole, but now you have 17 holes to get it back. Exactly. Yeah. Both. But Sully, yeah. Sully, 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 Sully from No Lang Up. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Scott. Michael Scott. <laughs> so, Matt, you and, played anything this summer? Uh, I so I've played a few, you know, company golf, company sh- uh, scrambles. Um, okay. Played one, won that one at uh, Indian Wood Country Club. Shot nineteen under. Uh, I was absolutely striping the ball that day. Had a ball on a string, making every putt, hitting it 320. Still not touching Ferrari's drives, but you know that's big for me. Um, and uh, and then I played the scramble with you, Evan, down in uh, where where we where was that at? Um, oh yeah, we played that three man scramble at uh, or is it? It was four man. It was. It was four man. I can't remember wherever we played it. It yeah. was the one with the putt putt green <laughs> at the range. <laughs> but that was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't really get the putters hot, but we had a good time. Struck the ball well. Uh, but no, other than that, I have I, I haven't had any other tournaments on the squad schedule. I've just been you know busy traveling the country doing doing Lord's work. Um, oh yeah. Uh, but. But tournament season's kind of picking up, right? Next week in the it's it's so yeah. So really, the only two tournaments I have on the schedule are coming up, unless you want to count the guys' trip, which is probably the biggest one of the year. Um, That's the major championship. Not if you, it's it's we are counting that. That 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 is the tour championship for sure for the Western Mass Golf Alum. Um, The Mel Reeb Cup, dude. The Mel Reeb Cup. Mel Reeb Cup. But yeah, so I have the USGA Mid Am qualifier uh, on on Thursday the tenth. Looking forward to that. Um, you know, that's my old high school home course. I got some friends out there that belong there that I, uh, that, you know, I've, I've played that course a million times. Um, just got to go out, got to go shoot a number. You know, I'm looking at probably 67. We'll get the job done for sure. Um, it's it's totally doable. I've it's seen doable. the pros play it. I've seen the pros play it. I'll just do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and like then, sometimes those mid-ams, though, like, you know, you go shoot right on par and you give yourself a chance, right? Uh, yeah, obviously, there's going to be years when people go so deep that it's like maybe it has to be a 67, but like just going and making a bunch of pars, maybe squeaking a birdie or two and shooting around even, like that's a lot of times those mid-ams gives you a really good yeah. chance. So Yeah, no, I think I think 67 is an aggressive number, but yeah. might as well set it aggressive because then when I don't reach it and I shoot 70 instead of 68, I'll go. And I'm still in. I go, all right, cool. Yeah, all right, um, yeah. Exactly, and you know, I've been playing. I've been playing some good golf. I've been, you know, swing has been off. I'm still kind of scoring, which is always good. Um, yeah. But swing has been on. Um, and after that, so that's a Thursday, and then that weekend I have the all important club championship at TPC Michigan, and oh, yeah. I finished five strokes back last year after a solid 83 the first day, where I had two triples and three doubles or something like that. Um, 
So I was hitting the ball very well, except for like five bad swings. Yeah. Um, and just giving up on 18 after realizing what I had just done, um, making triple. Uh, and and then I came back out the next day and shot three under on the front, but finished with a 75. It was sweet. For those, that, for, those, for those that have never played TPC Michigan, it's like a slope rating of like 76 and a half. It's a brutally tough course. So uh, when you when you shoot 75, you as a you're you're better than scratch. Uh, that was a that was the low round of the tournament. Right. So, so like that, that course is so hard. Yeah, and and Kevin, the superintendent, he he tricks that boy. He tricks that course up. Gets yeah, the yeah. greens rolling fast. Puts the pins right next to the edges of tiers, and it's oh man, it's a nightmare. Yep. Um, really, good, really good to be on the superintendent's good side, by the way. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that, and then come September, I'm getting ready for the Northern Michigan golf trip, Mallory Cup. Yeah, we do. Uh, awesome. we, we started this like golf trip with uh, a couple of guys from our team and where we, last year we went to Pinehurst this year, we're going to Northern Michigan. It's like a three to five day long golf trip. Uh, with the boys with uh, a big ass trophy that the winner gets to drink out of out of the, at the end. So uh, a former, a former PGA tour trophy from like the seventies. Yeah. Former PGA tour event trophy from the seventies. By the way, uh, beer, beer tastes pretty sweet out of there. So hopefully one of you get to try it. A lot let let me down last year. I'm just going to put them them under the bus. Yeah. Everybody remember was between you two. My, my, my back. My back was so sore at the end of that trip. <laughs> remember, uh, remember the names Ben Foltz and Jay Cohen were the big time leaders. Yeah. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> oh. uh, I still have that video. I watch it all the time. <laughs> so there have been many, many uh, alcoholic beverages consumed before I gave that speech. So I will mm-hmm. go on record apologizing for that. <laughs> That was a phenomenal trip. I'm looking forward to the second second iteration. Absolutely, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. So, hopefully, this uh, this gave everybody a little a uh, little bit of assistance in the competitive golf field. Trust me, it's not as intimidating as you think um, until you're standing on the first tee. So, don't worry about it. You'll be good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, get out there, play some competitive golf. You know, better yourself. Be uh, be him and hit a bunch of really cool shots. Um, you know, now you can write stories on Reddit where people actually did applaud your amazing golf shot. So um, this is the uh, this is the time. So let's get into it. And I wish you luck. Get better and uh, get involved. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>